Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Back in the Masson Web Studio, it is the Masson All Access Podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancana with you. Uh, shout out to Amy Jennings working the scenes behind the scenes. Um, we're now a full two weeks into uh, spring training games down in West Palm Beach for the Nationals. Things are starting to pick up. We've got some uh, conversations about who's stepping forward and possibly take that fifth starter spot for the Nationals. Um, and we have some interviews lined up for future podcasts. You should keep an eye out. Hopefully you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, and Spotify. Also, if you're on Stitcher, if you use Stitcher, the Nationals podcast uh, for the Mass and All Access podcast is available on Stitcher now as well. There's a lot of apps for using podcasts. I don't know who use who. I feel like we get a lot more on Apple and Spotify than anything else. But if you use Stitcher, we're available on Stitcher as well. I'm not going to lie. I've never heard of Stitcher. I have heard of it, but I don't use it because I have an iPhone, so I use Apple Podcasts. So, But if you use Stitcher... It's available now. Just search Mass and All Access Podcast Nationals. It should pop right up. The only stitcher I know works at the hospital. I'll tell you that much. Just Well, you ever sew? You need to patch up a... I can't do that. Thread. Neither can I. Patch on it's the, a, uh, the uh, World Series patch. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, nice. It's a, it's a, that's, I feel like that's a small uh, skill that everyone should have, like, just for, like, Sewing. being able to... Yeah, yeah, just being able to stitch up. Like, I can't do it. I, I always took, have to have my mom do it. I took knitting in eighth grade as an elective... Oh, really? With my friends, it was like me and a couple guys, and you know the rest were were young girls. Yeah, and uh, but you know it was important. I, I felt like honestly, my mom got very hype about me learning how to to knit. I was not very good, but I learned. I got pretty good at it mm-hmm. by the end of the class. It's an important thing. It's like, hey, you're stuck in the wilderness, and you have two balls of yarn, and you're freezing at night. You want to be able Might to blow yourself a sweater. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like making a fire. It's yeah. it's it's like Boy Scout uh, abilities. I think there are just a couple of times where I feel like, ah, oh, I just wish I could just sew this real quick, but I have no clue how. Yeah. Like a suit that like a stitching fell apart or something like that. You got to prepare for a special occasion. I don't know. Replacing a tire. You know how to do that? Guy? Nope. Yeah. So you don't know. Nope. I, I need call to do AAA. That. Yeah. Yeah. I think I get roadside assistance with my car insurance. Thank God, because I have no clue how to do that. So yeah. it's one of those things where like, I'll never need to know how to do this. And then once you need to know how to do it. You, you're done. You wish you had it. You're cooked. Yeah. Uh, so, so we also have, so while this came up, uh, subscribing to all our platforms, we'll have some interviews coming up with Eric Thames over the next course of the next couple of weeks. Probably hear from Starling Castro. You already heard from Patrick Corbin when we were down at West Palm Beach a couple of weeks ago. If you missed that, of course, go back and give that a listen. He was great with us on the Mass on All Access podcast. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to talk about the fifth starter spot today. Um, how everything's shaping up. But before we get into that, Paul, did you see the Nationals tweet at Nationals on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Um, the World Series National <laughs> Champion Washington Nationals read mean tweets? Yes, I did. Yeah. It's uh, obviously a bit well-known. Uh, actually, first of all, you started it here. Yeah, at, way at, before at Madison doing yeah. it with our Mark Zuckerman um, reading pe- tweets who people thought he was Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook founder. Yeah, nobody is better at reading and replying to those tweets than Mark. We actually started it before Jimmy Kimmel. Fun fact, right. and then kidding. of course Jimmy Kimmel uh, stole from us. Stole yeah. from us, just Obviously. the honest nerve. Um, but yeah, so the Nationals had uh, a couple players: uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Sean Doolittle, Steven Strasburg, Juan Soto, et cetera, et cetera, and David Martinez 
read a couple tweets that were sent out May 24th, 2019 of last year, which of course was uh, the end of 19 and 31 and the beginning of the national season turning around after they had gotten swept in New York by the Mets. It was a pretty funny video. It's a good good bit by the Nationals to yeah. do. Um, but I wanted to go back and read some of our tweets from the same time when the Nats season was at the lowest of the low it could have possibly been and was. Uh, and when we thought it was just going to be uh, Tank City so from the, here. So these were by us, not at us. These are, no, not at us. So these are by, so this is me, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or on Twitter, uh, at Bobby underscore Blanco. Uh, good morning. The Nats Yikes. need to make some big decisions, and they need to make them now. 6.35 a.m. too. Yeah, our latest Mass and Alexis podcast via Mass and Nationals is here. That podcast was titled Make or Break Time for Nats, and then the description was, it is time the Nationals enter Memorial Day weekend, having been swept in four games by the Mets and one and a half, one and a half games out of last place in the National League East. Bobby and Paul discuss how the Nats got here and what decisions need to be made. The decisions that were made uh, just a couple of days later, May 29th, the National signed Johnny Venters to a minor Huge. contract. Huge, and that changed the entire Changed the entire of complex season. of the season. Yeah, he <laughs> pitched two and a thirds inning and got a 5.4 ERA. Um, and then, of course, they ended up signing Fernando Rodney, and they released Trevor Rosenthal late June 23rd and then July 31st. Of course, the trade deadline acquired Daniel Hudson, Hunter Strickland, and Romanis Elias. And I... You know what? I, for some reason in my head, thinking back, thought that they had fired Derek Lilliquist after that 1931 start. It was before that. It was May 2nd they fired Derek oh, Lilliquist. So it was, that was, was earlier. So they had three weeks after that. <laughs> they were still losing games. Yeah. After they had hired Paul Menhart. Yeah. All right, moving on to your tweets. Um, from So these are like over oh the course boy. of the night of the 23rd and the morning of the 25th. Yikes. Uh, Paul, at Paul Mancano, of course. Murphy's Law, the 2019 Washington Nationals. What can go wrong will go wrong. That's how it felt. Yeah. Everything was going wrong, especially yeah. after that sweep. I remember they got walked off in one night. They blew another lead, I think, in the third game of that series, like a huge lead, and then yeah. they got just demolished. I think with, I think, Strauss or Scherzer on the mound on that last game in New York, they lost like 9-1 to one or something. Everything yeah. was going wrong for them. And and I'll tell you, one of those the one that really felt like the backbreaker in New York was the one where Sean Doolittle blew it yeah. because everybody else in that bullpen had blown leads and had blown saves, but Sean Doolittle was still stellar and he blew a lead in New York and yep. he blew a save and he looked utterly defeated. And I thought there's no way they can come back from this. And Oh my gosh, I was so wrong. Yep. Yep. Um, so go moving on to that second tweet Ooh. you see on the screen, some free agents, the relievers, the Nats could have signed this off season. Greg Holland at $3.25 million. Of course, he pitched for the Nats the year before. You said he had a 1.69 ERA at the time. After May 24th, he had a 6.86 ERA. Brad Brock, 2.75 ERA. After May 24th, 7.09. Yikes. Jordan Lyles, Lyles. excuse me, 1.97 ERA. After May 24th, 5.28 This is just odd. Jake Diekman. What are the odds of this? Jake Diekman. I think he ended up pitching for the A's, right, to finish that season, so he did yeah. uh, technically make the postseason. 3.15 ERA, not terrible, but also not great, but then had a 5.49 ERA for the rest of the season. And then Blake Parker, 1.10 ERA, a really good ERA, but then elevated to 5.8. Oh, not elevated. He had a 5.80 ERA for the remainder of the season after May 24th. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm joning on you too hard right here with all of these options that you threw out for their bullpen arms. They ended up having 
terrible rest of the seasons because you did have a tweet that I don't have a picture of um, for the, oh, for the video. Because yeah. well, you used a GIF, so it was kind of hard to like capture oh, the right. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was like a waking up GIF that I forget which wrestler it is. He's like waking up out of a coffin and you said, the Nets won the eighth inning. I think that was uh, that Friday game against yeah. the Marlins back at home. Well, the, the eighth inning was the death inning for them. Right. And then it turned into the inning of... Yeah. Lively, yeah, uh, in the postseason. Well, at, at, and at that point, I mean, look, I'm not going to try to give revisionist history on that. That looks bad. That, no, I know. Uh, no, but, but like, at the time, those look good. Like well, at the time, any Nets fan would take any one of those guys to, to add to the bullpen. And you know, they still could have. Those guys still would have been better than what Trevor Rosenthal gave them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or what? And Kyle Barraclaw, not so much. He was, and then eventually. Yeah. They caught him, but again, Trevor Rosenthal released about a month, but almost I'll, exactly a month. Later. I'll take my L here. Yeah. I will. Uh, I'll. I'll take that L. I think a lot of people took a lot of L's that week, and and look, they they had everybody fooled. I mean, they had <laughs> national pundits fooled. They had the local writers fooled. I remember talking to Jamal Collier uh, in the clubhouse. I think it was a, a home stand about a week before that. And I said, "What is wrong with this team?" And he said, "How much time do you have?" <laughs> That's how it felt at that point. Um, and boy, did they make us all look ridiculous. Well, speaking of local writers, they are not, um, I guess, innocent of this as well, of shaming the Nats. At Mass Nationals, one of our story links to, I believe it was Mark Zuckerman's wrap-up after that fourth game in New York. Nats were swept out of New York. What now? And then his next morning entry, that Friday morning, uh, can the Nats mount an historic comeback? Mark Zuckerman weighs in. Yeah. And the link at the end of that story, the, well, the title of that story, History Suggests Turnaround for Nats is Nearly Impossible, which is hilarious to look back on right now. And then the end of that uh, story, quote, for the Nationals to turn this season around, they'll not only have to do something they've never done before in club history, they'll have to do something no one in baseball has done in 14 years. And they did. And they did it. And that's the crazy... I remember reading that article, too. That what are the, That is sent at 11.30 a.m. on May 24th. Yep. That is just crazy to think about. It's it's like looking at a time capsule. It really is. It's kind of bizarre. Um, like we were different people back then. Yeah. Um, also should be noted that both of those Mass and Nationals tweets got ratioed hard. With saying... A lot, oh, a lot of people saying just, no way they could yeah, do it. Yeah, a lot of bad comments well, and, and, and no one liking or retweeting. I mean, it's amazing because they, look, they did. Like, yeah. they, you know, can they mount a historic comeback? And And honestly, it had to have been a historic comeback. It's not like... We all thought, you know, like didn't believe in this team because they didn't show it. No, they were bad. Yeah, yeah. Again, they were legitimately bad. One and a half games out of last place. You and I were talking about, like, because they were facing the Marlins coming into Nationals Park that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. We were like, after Memorial Day, they could be in last place. Right. Like the Marlins could beat them uh, like three out of four yeah. or whatever it may be to take over fourth place in the NLE. So yeah, you're right. It was, it wasn't like it wasn't overreaction because they were so, so bad, but it is kind of funny looking back, um, having, knowing what we know now and how the season ended up, um, the way just everything's overreaction. I thought that was pretty clever of the nationals, yeah. uh, social media team to put that together. Well, and do us a favor and don't go back and listen to our podcast that we had that. Was it that day? No, uh, I think we posted the 23rd. So, yeah, it was after the Mets sweep. So go go ahead and don't listen to that because it's probably filled with all terrible takes. If I'm – yeah, it probably definitely is. Well, trade that's Scherzer. part of the yeah. – I remember we were talking, we're talking about, about trading, trading off. Scherzer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, oh, Scherzer, yeah. We and said it was unlikely, but yes, do yeah. And Doolittle. That's well, why that I mentioned, point. like, the moves that they ended up making because we were talking about, all right, who 
Yeah. So these are the moves that they yeah. we, we were like, they need to make moves, and these were the moves they made, and it ended up winning a World Series. And it's, you know, it's apt that it was make or break time, and they made it. Like, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, that moment, they could have crushed themselves, and they could have fallen apart, and it could have all gone downhill, but they didn't. Yeah. So I think that uh, last game in New York against the Mets was a, like a 1 o'clock start getaway day game, uh, and so we... We recorded our episode right after the game, so it was probably okay. a really lonely podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, because that was the lowest point of the low. But obviously, the Nationals turned around. Nineteen and thirty-one will forever be um, a record in Nats lore. Um, people getting tattoos on their arms of it, um, and you know, not me. You won't on. see me doing. No, that. not me either. No, I don't. I, I want to forget about the nineteen thirty-one. I just want to <laughs> focus solely on that World Series championship that the Nationals were able to pull up. All right. Well, that was a fun little exercise. I thought it was interesting to go back. And see, and also it's funny to me because like, so the reason I watched that video, not because it was obviously also hilarious and a good idea, but like I was thinking my first instinct was like, oh no, I hope I don't see my friends in this video. Like I have friends that like tweeted some bad stuff, not bad stuff, but like, you know, just were just the most negative Nancy's you could ever think. Um, and just like all hope is lost, cancel the season, trade everybody. Right. Um, I was like, oh my God, my friends are going to be made fun of. But no one I know made that clip. And none of the clips, that, none of the tweets that the, the video showed were particularly bad. They were just like no. all in good fun now. Right. Um, but nothing was like, obviously like Yeah. And of horrible. course, it goes without saying, but even if your favorite team is doing poorly and your favorite players are doing poorly and any players are doing poorly, just don't tweet me things like yeah. you can you can tweet about your team without being there there's some stuff that is and if you know it's over the line it's over the line i so. think that's what you and i do pretty well we try to find the silver lining and, and yeah look on, the, well, look and, on the brighter side for both teams that we cover and uh you know we see a lot of tweets come through on uh at mass and nationals when we're running games and and we're running social for games and look, just just don't uh, you know, just just keep it in. It's a hundred and sixty-two game season. If you, yeah. Don't give up in May. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. That's uh, there you go. That's if that's not the golden rule, it's the golden rule of like middle school. Yeah, yeah, or like elementary school. All right, back to the nitty gritty. What we want to actually really get into in this episode, in terms of this season's Nationals team, the twenty twenty season, the spring training. Not quite the halfway point, but we're getting closer. Uh, first week of March, two weeks of games in. Um, we mentioned, you know, a couple of times, especially when we were in West Palm, like for a defending World Series champion team, there aren't too many storylines surrounding the actual baseball going on in the clubhouse and on the backfields. Um, biggest question marks are obviously Carter Kibum at third base, which we talked about last week. And this week, the second biggest question mark probably has to be Who's going to fill that fifth starter role? We know the big four. Don't forget about Anibal Sanchez in that fourth spot. Everyone talks about the big three and Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. Anibal was more than they could have asked for last season. They're hoping to get similar results this year um, from Anibal Sanchez. But the fifth spot is what's up for grabs. And we've, I think it's pretty easy to narrow down the three candidates. I don't know if you have a dark horse that could sleep in. I don't think I do. It's going to become come down to Joe Ross, Austin Voth, and Eric Fetty. It's just a matter of who grabs those reins and becomes the guy out of the gate. Um, obviously, it's going to change over the course of the season with injuries, with different things happening. It's a long baseball season. That stuff happens. But who's going to be the fifth starter out of the gate, end of March into April? That's the biggest question. Um, and some of these guys are flashing early and have shown have some strong starts to spring training in terms of the games. 
um, and making an early case for themselves. Yeah, I think two out of the three, especially Joe Ross and Austin Voth, definitely have. Eric Fetty has struggled a little bit, and Fetty is already at a disadvantage because he has a one of those weird uh, fourth options, a rare fourth option. Mm-hmm. He's drafted in 2014, didn't pitch into the minors in uh, in the minors in, until 2015 because of Tommy John. So he doesn't. He has a disadvantage because he has that ability to go to the minor leagues. It, it sucks. Yeah. Um, and it's something that already puts him at a disadvantage and he has come out of the gate and has not looked very good. But other than that, I think Ross and Voth have separated themselves. I think Ross in particular, he's both of his appearances have come as starts, two starts. He's pitched in five innings, no runs, one hit, two strikeouts, and just one walk. Um, batters are only having 0.71 against him. I'm um, looking sharp, and I think this is the guy, if you were to get Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo behind closed doors without any microphones, they would probably say they want him to be the guy to take that step forward because he has the most experience. He's got 57 career starts at the major league level um, as a starting pitcher. Uh, pitched in the World Series. <laughs> I was going to say, he pitched and started game five of the World Series. Game five, yeah. Yeah, in a pinch. Uh, no pun intended on a pinch nerve in Max Scherzer's neck. Ooh. But uh, this is the guy that he was tabbed to be the fifth starter for a couple of years now. Obviously, TJ back in, ooh, that was 2017, I want to say, uh, set him back a couple of years, uh, gave him some time off. But this was, and I think Dave Martinez also mentioned this in one of his um, press briefings that we sat in on when we were in West Palm was, you know, this was the target date for Joe Ross to be back to being Joe Ross, the normal guy, because of the Tommy John recovery. Um, he didn't come on really until the second half of last season. But spring training 2020 was the Nationals' unofficial target date for him to come in fully healthy, being back to the Joe Ross that we saw early on in his career, strong fastball, really good command, um, and a power pitcher that can be the fifth starter guy for the Nationals moving forward. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you that this is the guy that they probably want in their heads just because they've seen him have that ability. I think it almost helps him that he struggled as a reliever last year too. Mm. Um, he was tried out in that role two years ago when he came back from Tommy John and struggled um, and then was used as a reliever a little bit last year partly because they just needed guys that were in the middle of the season. We saw via those tweets how desperate they were for bullpen help. Joe Ross came out of the bullpen in 18 games last year and really struggled. An ERA over 11 in just 19 and a third innings. Then he ended up making nine starts and had a three ERA. I think it it probably helps him that he struggled in the bullpen that badly because, you know, now they definitely want to use him as a starter. If he's going to be on this team and if he's going to be a member of the pitching staff, it makes by far the most sense to have him be a starter. Um, Austin Voth, we have not seen a whole lot of out of the bullpen. Um, I think he only had two innings pitched out of the bullpen last year, um, two and a third, and then made eight starts and looked fine. Had a three, four, eight ERA last year as a starter. But um, Ross, I think at this point, it makes more sense for him to be a starter because we've seen him as a reliever. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. Both, I think they're more willing to try in the bullpen Assuming he makes this this team out of camp, and I don't think he might have come out and said this, but I don't I, I don't quote me on it. But I feel like Joe Ross wants to be a starter. He doesn't want to be a bullpen arm. He's happy to do it when he needs to, when the Nationals need him to. You know, I mean, he was on postseason rosters because he filled that void. You know, he could do a long relief man if they absolutely needed him, or they, he could start in a pinch if they absolutely needed him. But I think he would prefer to be a full time starter, like you said. 
His bullpen numbers aren't terrific. His starter numbers are way better, and I think they're more consistent, especially when he's consistently pitching every five days as a starting pitcher. Uh, so, yeah, that's a slot where he prefers to be, and I think the Nationals prefer him to be for, prefer him to be there as well. Um, and, and moving forward, it looks like that's where we're trending, where he's going to be a starter, uh, whether they, you know, the uh, roster calls for it or not. I mean, they yeah. want him in that rota- that rotation as much as possible. And then you move on to Austin Voth. I think that's a guy who's a little maybe more acclimated to relieving or being a long relief man. They kind of see him. He's, I think, I don't have the numbers. I'm trying to pull it up right in front of me. Um, he has made uh, only 13 game appearances, 10 starts in the major leagues. Um, so only three bullpen relief appearances. But I think he's a guy that could probably fill that role. You know, it's just a matter of, repetition and, and and scheduling you know if they tell him look you're gonna be the long relief man you know stick with that I think that helps him kind of mold his approach to how he's going to prepare uh, as a reliever as opposed to a starter and I think keep in mind that this is not all set in stone you know that this yeah. this can be tweaked as the season goes along you hope you're not going to have any injuries but injuries are always a possibility especially with a, a front four of a rotation that has this much uh, has that logged this many innings in their careers? All of them are 30 or older. All of them just pitched an entire October up until October 30th. So injuries might happen along the way, which means you might have to end up using Ross and Voth in mm-hmm. the rotation at some point. And even if you don't have injuries, if Ross struggles as a starter, if you know Voth is great as a reliever, they might swap roles at some point. So... You know, they, they can tweak this as they go. This is not all set in stone. We saw last year, you know, it, it probably was not part of the plan that they were going to have Austin Voth start eight games last year and Joe Ross start nine games and, you know, Eric Fetty start a handful of games as well. But stuff happens throughout the season. That That's why that fifth starter spot on every team in baseball is so malleable and interchangeable because that is the spot where any number of guys can come through during the course of a season. Yeah, and also keep in mind the extra man on the roster this season, 26-man. True. Maximum of 13 pitchers. I think that helps the Nationals with their flexibility. And then also adding in Eric Fetty's option. You mentioned the fourth-year option. That doesn't happen very often uh, because of the service time he's um, accrued over. Hey, nice. Accrued over uh, his first five seasons as a professional. He's able to have that fourth option, one of those weird baseball rules that's buried deep in the rule book. Um, but again, this, it's the extra man and then the option that gives the Nationals a lot of flexibility and probably makes this decision easier, not to mention the way that these individual pitchers have progressed over the spring. Ross off to a good start, both being, you know, fine, serviceable, and Vetti maybe struggling a little bit out the gate uh, is going to make this decision probably easier for David Martinez and Mike Rizzo when it comes time to make that decision in like three, about three weeks. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's still early. It's, it's things can change. Injuries happen, you know, God forbid something happened to one of these guys and that vaults the next guy up into this, to a similar role. Uh, a lot of things can happen. Austin votes for what it's worth. Yes. He's only had three appearances as a reliever at the major league level, but pretty solid, only two runs over the course of five and a third innings. So he's able to go multiple innings. He's able to, Lock in again. I think it's just a matter of that mindset. I'm a, I'm a reliever or I'm a starter. Uh, here's your role here, and then he's also able to pitch in a, 
uh, in a starter's position if they absolutely need him, and say for a double header or for you know, God forbid, an emergency start. Yeah, and the first week of the season is strange because they have that the opening day on a Thursday. Right. They have off on a Friday, so they have the ability to. I think that's the order of things. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so they have that off day just in case it rains. So the first time through the rotation, if they wanted to, they could skip through that fifth starter spot. Yeah. The other thing is, I don't know if they want to. You know, they have all these guys that have just pitched as well, they much did as they have. Year. Yeah. Um, the, you know, but th- they have all these guys now that have gone through a full October. Maybe they want to try to give those guys a rest. Um, we'll see. But they have that ability, if they want, that they could just skip right past the fifth starter the first week of the season. Yeah, and I think last year, I think last year also was a little different because, remember, they had, after the opening weekend against the Mets, they also had an off day on Monday because they had that weird two-game series against the Phillies. Remember, that was a big deal because that was Harper's return, and that allowed Max Scherzer to face Bryce Harper in his first return back to Nats- That's right. Nationals Park. That's not the case this year. I'm pretty sure they have a game on that Monday after opening day. So that's, I think Dave Martinez was, was able to manipulate his rotation uh, so they didn't need that fifth starter for, like, the first, after, like, 10 games or something. Uh, because of the off days, but this year is a little different than only the one after opening day. So this guy is probably going to be needed around like that Wednesday. I'm, if, I were, if I'm calculating right in my head, uh, probably the getaway day against the Marlins. If I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, yeah. So they have they they have the Thursday opener at the Mets, off Friday, then Saturday Sunday against the Mets, then Monday Tuesday Wednesday against the Marlins, then. It's uh, home opener against the Mets on March 2nd on and that Thursday. Another off day. Then another Friday off day. Yeah. It is so weird. Well, they do that so in case there's raining on home openers, they, right. can, they have a day to push it back. Like yeah. they, won't, they don't want – baseball doesn't want, uh, you know, to start the game on opening day and then have to call for rain. Right. Like, like it's the one day of the year that they will push it back if, they, if there's a, any chance of rain. Yeah, but it's also like the first week of the season is like extended spring training because of the game times. Right. Because it's like a 1 o'clock game, obviously, you know, for, for a, a home opener, teams tend to have those day games. So it's a 1 o'clock game um, for the Mets, then a 4 o'clock game, then a 1 o'clock game, then a couple night games, then a getaway 1 o'clock game for the, against the Marlins, then another 1 o'clock game, then a 4 o'clock. Like, <laughs> it is a lot of day games the first week of the season. Um, but also, so... That home opener against the Mets is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh game of the season. Yeah. So who would be lined up to start that if they went with five starters? Well, see, I think with that off day, I don't think they will. So it'll be Max. You think if they just it'll be Max Strauss, Corbin, one, two, Sanchez, four, five, Sanchez. Max goes again the thirty first. Wait, is that right? Max Strauss. Corbin, Sanchez. But the thing is with the off day, you have to keep him on every five days because Davey's not going to push back Max just because of the off day. That's why someone loses the spot. So one, two, three, four, five is the 31st. For Strasburg, it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Strasburg's in line because of the off day. So they're going to need that fifth starter on that Wednesday getaway day for the Marlins. Yeah. That'll probably be Joe Ross's, if it's Joe Ross's debut, uh, that Wednesday day game against the Marlins. And that's actually not a bad place to – you know, no. <laughs> you know, the Marlins. <laughs> out of all the teams in the NL East, the Marlins are probably going to finish last. They're not going to be that great. I would actually, we'll, we'll, and we'll have predictions later and um, later episodes upcoming uh, this month. But I think they'll be a little better 
than we've seen the past couple of years. They're starting to start pick up pace. With yeah, I don't know re- if they'll be a 100-loss team again. Yeah, with their rebuild. But, I mean, you know, they're going to be the easiest pickings in the NL East. Get Joe Ross on a getaway day. That way you're saving your aces for the following weekend because they bring the Mets back to town. Right. Um, before hosting the Marlins again. And and then you set them up for the Dodgers. The Do- Yeah, that is going to be an awesome series. It's a shame so it is on the West Coast. It yeah. is so early that it, we're getting it's a It's on a weekend, though. It is I on a like weekend. they always play the Dodgers like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. And no one can watch those games. But this, I mean, that is going to be last year. a must-watch series yeah. uh, at Dodger Stadium, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 10 o'clock, if you can stay up for that on a Friday night, but then 9 o'clock and 4 o'clock. For those three games yeah that's that's good stuff and then they play the cubs at say, home a yep. week later and then the dodgers at home right after that yeah I so mean, what a what an april that yeah. they're gonna have yeah and then there's a handful of off days in there i can see that yeah thursday friday a wednesday off um and then a monday off so uh, davy martinez they better not go out to a 19 well, no, <laughs> well no they better not because then we'll never hear the world series is coming back or whatever yeah but I wonder if this many off days, and you mentioned the time starts, that's a little different as well than normally you would see in the middle of the regular season. I wonder if these help or hurt David Martinez because do you get, are you able to get guys on a consistent fifth day schedule or do these off days throw that off and then you're making sure your, your aces get there every five days and then maybe right. Joe Ross is pitching every six days or at, yeah. I don't know, short starts. I don't know. And, and the, the time difference that you have. You have two West Coast right. trips in a matter <laughs> in a matter of two weeks. I mean, you go to the Dodgers, then the Mariners, then you come back home for one series against the Cubs, or one series against the Cubs, and then another series against the Dodgers. Then you go back to the West Coast against the Giants. Yeah. Some odd schedule making, but that, they, yeah, I, I don't know exactly if that's going to be viewed as a positive or a negative, but... I'm that, guessing this is part of this... The CBA where there's off days ahead of long travel days because yeah. usually like a team will send out their next day start like for example from going from home to LA you know if Patrick Corbin's lined up to start that Friday they'll send him out early right so he can get used to it and get his work out there and then he's not too tired but with an off day that kind of negates that need and he can just fly with the team Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, whenever they decide to do it, yeah, um, and still be fine. It's kind of like traveling for the postseason. And off the field, I mean, the the other ceremonial stuff that's going to be accompanied by that first homestand oh, is yeah. going to be awesome. They, there's a day. There's something every day. Yeah, they. I think they raise the banner during the home opener, I yep. believe, and then that that Saturday is when they get their rings. They have Champions Day on Sunday. I don't know what that entails entirely. Just has we'll a see. logo and seems like they're going to celebrate Champions beads on Monday. Um, Davy Martinez World Series bobblehead on Tuesday, and then a Champions clinch bag on Wednesday. It's going to be a fun first home series. Giveaways and celebrations all throughout the first six games. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I guess as long as spring training moves along, it, it's again, it's bizarre that there aren't too many like dominating storylines at nationals camp right now. We've already talked about Kibu and we talked about the fifth starter today. I guess the only thing will be just to keep an eye on these guys. See when Joe Ross, um, is next outing and see how he does and as long as he's progressing or not even progressing, just kind of staying the course. Um, to maintain that spot. Again, I, I think you and I are in agreement where we see Joe Ross as the fifth starter, Austin Voth as the long man in the bullpen, and unfortunately Eric Fetty gets that option down to Fresno. Yeah, and just an update on that Keyboom situation. Last 
last week when we talked, he was not hitting terribly well. He's turned it up just a tick. He's hitting just 214, though. Um, six walks still. Still has not hit a homer this spring. Has uh, not had an extra base hit so far this spring. So, But he did get two knocks yesterday, I believe. Yes. Um, so some slight encouraging signs, but still not enough yeah. um, for him to, I don't think, to grasp that, to have a hold on that third base spot. Yeah, and I didn't see... I mean, in terms of his defense on the third base side, maybe no news is good news. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't see any updates on bobbles or errors or anything like that, which I guess is good. Um, but getting to, I mean, you know, hopefully the the back kind of starts to pick up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think Davey's doing a pretty good job of switching guys in and out. He uh, Carter had an off day the other day while Cabrera took over at third base. Um It'll be interesting to see how they pose out lineups. You can actually check out the Nationals tomorrow night, Thursday night, um, on Masson as they take on the Cardinals from West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, cover starts at 6 o'clock. I think it'll be a, it's a kind of a late game, so you get home from, from work, settle in. Um, it's actually my dad's birthday tomorrow, so maybe he can watch oh, some baseball on his birthday. Nice. Uh, Ramiro, in. right? Ramiro, yeah. He's getting, it's big. Ooh. 57. Oh, guy. is he going to like the fact that you just revealed his age? You know why? He, he, Got to give, <laughs> give the man credit. He looks younger than he actually is. So. He does. He does not look 57. So I think he actually prides the fact that he gets to tell people he's 57 when he, people don't think he looks that there way. There we go. Probably likes getting carded. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he loves. Parents <laughs> love Oh, it's that. their favorite thing. They love getting carded, especially like with kids. Like they yeah. love, oh, you want to see. And they also like, they actively card themselves. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. do you want to see mine too? I have it right here. It's like, what? no, you're clearly <laughs> over 21. Um, but yeah, so no. Baseball tomorrow night on Madison, 6 o'clock. Uh, check out the Cardinals and the Nationals. I have no idea who's lined up to pitch tomorrow, but hopefully you'll see some uh, familiar faces out there um, at the West Palm Beach ballpark. Uh, spring training continues, moves along. Um, well, It's that, TBD. It's TBD. All right, My cool. favorite player. Yeah. All right. Well, that just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast for today. Be sure to hit a like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher now. And uh, SoundCloud. You can also follow us along on the Mass and All Access Facebook page and Mass Nationals Facebook page at Mass Nationals on Twitter. You can give Paul a follow at Paul Mancano. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Big shout out to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for running the board for us. We really appreciate it. Um, and the Mass and All Access is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>